0: So, we're in um, this section about talking about spiritual gifts. We're looking at the manifestation gifts that are found in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. Just got really dark in here. Maybe go back, Ron. Like, maybe another two or three. I don't know. Um, I think it's actually my bad that I clicked the wrong button this morning when I came in. So, we can't blame Ron for these things. But, anyways, in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, we found this section of gifts. And they are called the manifestation gifts. And in that section of Scripture, we find words of wisdom, words of knowledge, the gift of faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, um, the gift of unknown languages or tongues and interpretation. And uh, these gifts are given to us to manifest the presence of God on earth. They are given to make God public, to make him known. And they're available to every Christian who chooses to access them as God allows through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. So, and the goal in this series is for us to have a better understanding of each gift um, so that, you know, we can understand how it operates and how to use it. Um, Yes, these are spiritual gifts, um, and, and that makes them supernatural. But it doesn't mean that we can't understand them. It doesn't mean that they have to be some, like, mystical, like, ooh, thing, and they just happen. Like, there is things we know about it, and there is ways to understand and to be able to, like, kind of know how to operate in that. Um, We've talked about the gift of faith and we ended with a time of praying big prayers, big faith prayers. And I want to know for some of you guys who prayed that day, if God answered any of those prayers, please fill it out on the connect card and like throw it in the offering box or the resource center so that we can know that. And I would love to talk to you and maybe you get up here and uh, share what God did in your life. Um, And last week, Ron talked about, um, and he did a great job explaining the gift of tongues and interpretation. And I'm believing as we spend more time practicing these gifts that some of you might feel free enough to let the Spirit empower you to speak in some unknown language and that somebody else will be able to interpret it to us. Um, But this week, we're going to talk about the gifts of healing and of miracles. Isn't that like a crazy story that that woman that shared? And What I love about it is like, this is something that happened not too long ago. Like we read about it often in the Bible and all these stories and we're like, that is so cool. But it also just seems like forever ago. And so it's like, no, God is still in the business and still doing healing and miracles today. So how do miracles happen? Well, I want to try and, like I said, unmystify miracles the best that I can. I mean, they're still supernatural, but there is a way we can kind of understand how these things happen. In Matthew 4, 17, it says, From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins, turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. See, Jesus' message while he was on the earth was about the kingdom of heaven and how it was at hand or how it was near. And this is something he preached over and over again. If we even jump down a little bit farther in that chapter to verse 23, it says, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And then he healed every every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria, and people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Isn't that crazy? All. The word kingdom in Greek is basilia, and it's not a territorial kingdom. When we think kingdom, we think of like united kingdom, or, you know, or something like a country, it it doesn't mean like an actual land territory, but rather the right to rule over a people, right? The royal power of Jesus as a triumphant Messiah, or the royal power and dignity like given upon Christians because of Jesus's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, or a people group that is subject to rule, to the rule of a king, See in the kingdom Jesus was talking about is not a kingdom with a physical location. Yes, Jesus sometimes referred to it as the kingdom of heaven, but that wasn't that it's only in heaven. Right? It wasn't that it was the kingdom of heaven as in like it's about heaven. And not that it's only in heaven. Right? It's ruled by heaven. It's this kingdom from heaven, maybe. Um, And here's why this matters. Because right, in earthly kingdoms, what we understand, you know, like our country, our state, our city, um, they have rules. They have a government, and those rules are supposed to help, you know, direct your life for reasons like safety and health. And this isn't political, so I'm not going to get into that. But, um, right, they, it's just that they are set rules and laws by that we live in. And when you visit another country or go to a different state, those things change. And there's different laws and different things depending on where you're at. Well, the kingdom of heaven has its own rules and laws as well um and really that's a lot of what jesus was establishing in his teaching especially like the sermon on the mount um and and you know that you say this but this is what it really is and he's coming and he's reaffirming these rules of heaven and the laws of heaven and then he brings us to the greatest commandment which is where we get our mission statement to love love people i'm cutting in and out right all right that's fun um But really, Jesus' contrast, when he's bringing up that the kingdom of heaven is near, it was not with the local government. It was not with, like, your city and him bringing new laws into your city, but with the whole kingdom of earth. See, the kingdom of earth has rules too, um, natural rules. Things like the laws of gravity, the laws of thermodynamics, the laws of motion, the conservation of energy and mass, and all those things you learned in science and you forgot about. You know, all of those things, those are, are natural laws when you think of kingdom of earth. And these are things that exist. And, you know, things that scientists that are way smarter than me have found to always be true about Earth. You know, these are things that dictate and, and keep us on Earth. Like, the law of gravity is literally why you're able to sit in your chair right now. And, like, why I'm standing here not floating away. And these things dictate our lives. Now, a miracle, by definition is a surprising and welcome event that is not explicable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore considered to be the work of a divine agency. See, a miracle happens when something goes against the natural laws of the kingdom of earth. So how does this happen? Well, Jesus preached that the kingdom was near or at hand. And when he says that, it's not like he was saying the kingdom of heaven is just right over there. Like it's not a, like he was pointing to a place. That word near is actually like a an active word. It means that it's coming in, it's drawing near, it's, it's making, it's literally to join one thing to another. So when he's saying the kingdom is near, it's like it's colliding with kingdom of earth right now. The kingdom of God is always on the edge of being here. It's in that constant action of wanting to join into your day, of wanting to come in. Uh, I love when the translations I say the kingdom of God is at hand because it's, it's that idea of it's right within your grasp. It's always there. It's just about ready to come into your day. All you have to do is reach out and access it. And it's through faith, it's through the Holy Spirit like we've been talking about that gives us access to the kingdom of heaven. See, and this matters because the kingdom of heaven is not the kingdom of earth. It's of heaven. It has heaven rules. It has heaven laws and they don't match our earthly laws. So when the kingdom of heaven runs into, nat, um, into these natural laws, it trumps it because it has its own set of laws to follow. So when Jesus borrows this little kid's lunch in Matthew 14, that was only a lunch with a couple loaves of bread and a couple fish, and he was, you know, it was a lunch made to feed just a child, Jesus accessed the kingdom of God, and its laws state that matter can be created that matter can be stretched, and all these different things, and somehow from that small meal, Jesus fed 5,000 men plus their wives and their children, right? Because God's laws, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, doesn't have to follow the laws of earth, and that's when a miracle happens. It's the same with healing. We know that natural laws, what we understand, even with modern medicine, that we are constantly deteriorating, right? It's kind of a sad thing, like Every day you're just closer to dying. Woo, that's fun. Right? Um, But that's natural laws of earth. But when major instant healings like the story we just heard come in this short time, which is against everything natural, it's this miraculous healing. You know, we just read that Jesus healed every single person that came to him needed healing. The laws of heaven's kingdom say that it can be done and then it's done. Jesus was teaching his disciples this even when he taught the disciples how to pray in Matthew 6, in the middle of the Lord's Prayer, which we pray every Thursday night as sober soldiers. Um, But a lot of you guys grew up praying this. But in verse 10, it says, May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? Isn't that such a simple, beautiful prayer? But it's everything that Jesus was teaching about how to see the miraculous happen in your life, to invite the kingdom that's near and trying to join into your life, to just come in, and then ask for, God, would your will, the will that happens in heaven, be done here on earth, right? This should be our prayer for all things, right? God, I don't care what the natural world says about this issue. Bring your kingdom into it. Bring your rules into it. May your will be done here in the same way it's done in heaven, right? So what is heaven like that we would want that to come? You know, we all have our glimpses and thoughts of what heaven is like, but book of Revelation gives us a glimpse in chapter 21, 4 through 5. and it says that he, being God, will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true right? No sorrow, no death, no crying or pain. He makes everything new. He restores. He restores bodies and relationships and finances and everything about you. If it's broken, He can restore. Right? So if if I've prayed for you, I've probably prayed these things in my prayers for you because I believe that we need to let God's kingdom come into our life, right? To let heaven be on earth today and that His will be done. I think that's some of the most powerful things we can pray. Right, healings and miracles don't need to be this like crazy out there thing. It should be a fairly normal part of our lives because we've been invited to partake in this kingdom of heaven. In Second Peter one, three four, it says by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share in his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. God has given us access to everything we need to live a godly life. And because of God's promises, verse 4 says that it enables us to share in God's divine nature. Again, a reference to the contrast of our nature, the contrast of our earthly nature. We can partake and be a part of God's divine nature. So what does it take to do that? Well, it takes faith. We talked about this a couple weeks ago with the gift of faith. It takes just believing. John 14, 12 through 14, this is Jesus talking. And he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. In Romans 8, Paul is talking in, in verse 34. He says, we'll, we'll, uh, who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Man, we just need to have faith that Jesus is doing what he said he was going to do. Right? It's not really about us. Right? If we really have faith in Jesus that he will do it, it should be really simple because he said he would. Right? Growing up, did you ever have one of those moments where you messed something up really bad and you knew, like, I just need to go tell mom and dad and they're going to fix it? Yeah, Without a doubt, they can fix this thing that I just did. I know they can do it. Like, we put a lot of faith and trust in people around us to fix problems we have. But that's really the same amount of faith we need to put in Jesus because we know he said he would do it. If Jesus said it and Jesus is believing in you to do it and he's bugging God on your behalf, We shouldn't be afraid to believe God can do it through us. I want to share about a few healings and miracles that I've witnessed in my life, things I've been a part of or I've seen. Uh, And then we're going to take a moment to talk about some practical stuff, and then we're going to take a moment to pray. But um, a couple from my my home church that I grew up in in Council Bluffs, they were our children's pastors. The name is Sean and Christy. And for a long time, they had been trying to get pregnant. Um, Like many, many, many years, they had been to all the different doctors, they had done everything that they were told to do, you know, changing diets, trying all these pills, doing all these um, different procedures, and nothing worked. Um, She had had issues with the the functions of her body for her whole life and was told that it would be really difficult for her to have a child and um, kind of knew growing up there'd be nothing short of a miracle for it to happen, and after exhausting basically every resource, to have a child naturally, um, uh, they just gave up and they came to church. They had decided that Saturday night that they were going to stop taking, um, all the meds she had been on. They were going just kind of stop and maybe look into adoption or do something different. And they showed up to church that morning, pretty bummed, you know, about everything going on and, um, asked for prayer. And I remember we laid hands on them and we believed God would give them a child. Five months later, she started to feel really sick. Um, went into the hospital, and found out she was pregnant about five months along, Um, right? And if you want to know more about why, you know, she didn't realize for five months, there's a lot of stuff going on in her body, and I don't feel publicly that I should share those things, but um, just understand that God gave them a daughter. Her name is Hannah, and on top of that, today, they have three kids. Isn't that crazy? one night at youth group in my youth group back in Council us, we had a student who had an older sister who had disappeared. Um, she had ran away a couple years before and they, um, it was just him at home with his mom and neither of them knew where the sister was, what had happened to her. They didn't even know she was still alive and um, he was kind of new coming to youth group and uh, he asked, hey, can we pray that my sister is okay and that maybe like we could hear from her and know that what she's been up to and so we prayed for him at the beginning of worship And by the end of service, his mom had called him and said, you'll never guess what happened. Your sister got a hold of me. She's been in Texas. She's doing fine, all these things, and just called her out of the blue. On a missions trip, uh, one with David Lewis, who's, I guess, not here today. We were in Matlapa, Mexico, and uh, we saw a man who could barely walk. He came into, walked into the church we were ministering at with a cane in one hand and leaning on a person in the other. And we saw him leave church without a cane, walking normal. And then we heard reported the next day he was running around with some of his siblings. In Trinidad, one of my students prayed for a woman, Sister Sheila. Uh, Crystal, you're out there, right? Do you remember this happening? And uh, Sister Sheila, there's a picture there. Um, go back one. So Sister Sheila, we got there. You can see her hand was, is like crazy swollen um, she had to be helped out by two people out to come out and barely could sit down in that chair, could barely talk to us, you know, just really quiet voice, really, really, really weak. And uh, one of my students prayed for her. Well, we all prayed for her. And um, is that you right there, Crystal, you think? No, okay. I didn't think so. But then I was like, oh, maybe. Anyways, uh, she's there, trust me. Um, but we prayed for her. And we found out that the next morning she woke up completely fine and walked to the church like a couple blocks away and told the pastor that she was healed and then we got to see her a few days after that, which is the next picture, and uh, which she walked outside. She, you know, you can see she got herself all dressed up because she was feeling all better. She brought us all water. She was passing out the chairs for us to sit down. Like, God does things still to this day. Personally, I have two experiences in my own life where I've been healed from something. Um, first, my wisdom teeth at one, uh, this is probably 2008, 2009, were causing just a ton of pain in my life. Um, at the moment, I had no insurance and I had no real job. I was working at our house of prayer and uh, living off of my small amount of savings, doing some odd jobs here and there to make things work. And I had been in constant pain for weeks. Um, I couldn't sleep because it just hurt so bad. Um, and I remember one night, I took basically every pain pill that was left in our house. And it, that might be miracle one, that I'm still just alive, you know, uh, Literally, like, way too much um, pain meds at that time. And I remember laying in my bed, unable to sleep, because it hurt so bad, and just told God, you have to fix this. You've called me to work at the house of prayer, and I don't have any money. I don't have insurance. I can't do anything about this. I'm doing this because of you, and you need to heal me. At some point, I fell asleep or went into a coma. I don't know, but (laughs) all I know is I woke up in the morning with no pain. And for four years, had no issues with my wisdom teeth. And then all of a sudden they started hurting again, but I had a new job with good insurance and it only cost $50 to get all my wisdom teeth removed. When my dentist was taking them out or the surgery, surgeon guy, they said there's like one of the most like difficult wisdom teeth surgeries they had ever done. Um, you know, it was like it'll be like 20 minutes, I was in there for an hour, um, and it was all sorts of stuff. And they're like, these things must've been killing you for years. I said, well, actually maybe one week, one time, you know, um, but God is, God is good. There's another time that, uh, who's here, who here has heard of urban sledding? Anybody? It's where you like tie a sled behind a vehicle in the snow, uh, you know, and drag you around. It's different names for it. I don't know what you guys call it. It's like tubing behind a boat, but you're on land in snow. Um, but sometimes like you don't have snow. And sometimes you have a friend named David Lewis who drives too fast. And sometimes your sled breaks you know, while you're going too fast, and sometimes that means you'll be launched at the ground at too fast speeds and flip and roll for like 100 yards. Um, well, one time that's exactly what happened to me, you know And I did live. however, I'm pretty sure I'm traumatized, brain damage and a loss of trust in my friends. Um, I was really hoping Davis could be. he was really bummed that I get to make fun of him, he doesn't get to be here to talk about it.) Um, you can ask him for all the details. I don't remember much, obviously. And uh, all I knew, I was really, really sore um, for a, like a while, a long while. And one of those things was my shoulder, which like s- just slammed into the ground. Like we guesstimate that I was going somewhere like 60 miles per hour probably and uh, slammed into the ground and messed up my shoulder really, really bad. For weeks, I, I couldn't put any weight on it. I could only lift my arm like, like this high without like wanting to cry and I drove school bus, and the air brake release is on this side, and I couldn't even push it in with my right hand, so like every, I was like, reach over, and it was just really, really annoying, and, um, you know, I still had that kind of theme of my life where I didn't have money or insurance, so I was just like dealing with it, and um, on a trip to Kansas City, we, were, we went to an evening service at the International House of Prayer, and, um, just kind of a fluke thing, we were just there, and... Um, somebody, they were like, hey, if you guys need, anybody needs healing, just raise your hand. So I raised my left one because I couldn't raise my right one. And um, a man came and he prayed for my shoulder. And uh, he goes, hey, can you test it out? Does it feel better? And it, it felt better, but I still couldn't really lift it very high. And he's like, well, let me pray again. And so he prayed. And all of a sudden, I could raise my arm all the way up with zero pain. I have no issues with my arm to this day. And I like, I'm pretty sure that there was some real actual damage done. Um, but God still is doing things. And there's so many more things that I could just see here and talk all day about these things that I've seen. And before we get to prayer, I do want to talk about why some people are not healed. Because I think there's a question that we, we come across a lot of times when we think about these things. And I want you to let you know, it's okay to doubt. God, God's not like beating you up if you doubt these things. All right, he, he just wants you to have faith. He wants you to believe in him, but that doesn't mean that he shames you or he condemns you when you're doubting these things. It, literally some of his own disciples they followed doubted him, and he still showed up to them to help them through their doubt. So don't feel like you need to be held back from that, but I do want to talk about these things. And I think there's three really main reasons people are not healed when we pray for them. The first, time, first reason I think is that sometimes it's just not the right time. If we look at the story in John 9, 1 through 3, says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who, was, who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Jesus went on, you know, verses later to heal this man, and it became a great witness to a ton of people that were around that temple. Sometimes it's just not the right moment because God has a bigger plan in place. And that's sometimes hard to accept. But imagine this guy had been blind his whole life. People knew him being blind. People knew that he was always at this temple gate begging. And so when he got healed, it was such a bigger witness for God's glory. And um, this is throughout the Bible all the time, all the way back to Sarah and Abraham at the very beginning. They knew this promise that they would have a child and had to wait until they were over 90 years old before they had a kid. In the book of Acts, many healings were brought up saying, these people had been this way since they were a child or since they were born. do Do you not think that people prayed for them multiple times until that moment that they were healed? God's will is more concerned about everyone's spiritual life and bringing as many people to him as he can. So sometimes I believe healing doesn't happen because it's just not that right moment. I also believe that, you know, suffering produces character and those testimonies that lead others to him. So sometimes there's a waiting time because he has a bigger story planned for your life. Right? And maybe, you know, sometimes, you know, we pray and pray and pray for, for somebody that we, we love that's so dear to us. But they know Jesus. And God's just like, hey, I'm ready to take them home. Because there's going to be some people who show up at that funeral that don't know me yet. This is my first opportunity to reach out to them. I do believe, however, we can also move Jesus to compassion. To act outside of his, you know, initial will for things. I think we can affect God's will because he's a good father. And we can pull on those father heartstrings of his and say, God, can't you just this one time make a little bit of difference. And, and we see this all the time through Jesus' ministry while he's walking on the earth. It says he was moved with compassion upon this crowd while he was planning to go somewhere else. One of my favorite stories, just because I think it's so crazy, is Jesus and his disciples walked into this new town. And they, their plan was actually to pass through this town. And there was a funeral procession coming down. And he was like, what is going on here? And they're like, oh, it's a funeral. This widow's only son died. And it says, moved with compassion, he raised her son back to life. That's crazy. Could you imagine that? Like when you're driving down the road and you see, you know, the, the flashing lights of a funeral procession and you pull out in front of the first car and you just go, not today, guys. And you just, boom, and you heal that person back to life. Like what a testimony of God's glory. But how crazy is that? Sometimes, I think a healing or a miracle doesn't happen because it needs more or maybe even a more powerful prayer. Mark 8, 22 through 25, it says, When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus and they begged him to touch the man and heal him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And then, then spitting on the man's eyes, um, we might have to try that today, guys, just saying. Now, uh, he laid his hands on them and asked, can you see anything now? And the man looked around and said, Yes. I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. And this wasn't Narnia, so. Um, In verse 25, it says, Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again, and they were opened, and his sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. If Jesus has to pray twice for a full healing to happen sometimes, we might have to pray at least twice, you know, for somebody. Um, I'm just saying, sometimes it just takes some more prayer. In the next chapter in Mark 9, 28 through 29, we find another story. It says, afterwards, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? And Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer. Some versions say prayer and fasting. This is a verse that's always kind of left me a little bit complex, but there's there's something greater here. There's something like it wasn't just the normal prayer but something more that Jesus was getting at. Sometimes only by prayer and I think that's kind of like deeper prayer and spending more time in it, but also um James 5:16 says confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Sometimes I just think our prayers can be hindered And that's kind of what I mean by more powerful prayers because they all reach to the same God. But I think a lot of times we don't believe in our prayers because we know our own sin in our lives. And we go, God can't listen to this person. I'm a wreck. I'm a mess. And we don't have faith that God is going to respond to us. And, And so taking that time to confess your sins to somebody gets it off your chest so that you can pray those prayers and really mean it. The earnest prayer, right, It says that, you pray for each other so that you may be healed. And there's people that preach a message that you cannot be healed if you have unconfessed sin. And I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. Jesus healed sinners and he forgave their sin at the same time without a confession. So I don't believe that can, that can be there. But I do believe that sin can keep you from having faith in yourself and faith that God is hearing you. And I also believe that sometimes when we hold in unconfessed sin, That stress and bitterness and unforgiveness and all those things, we've talked about this before, that causes real physical issues in our lives. And sometimes confessing and getting it out really will bring healing. And the third reason for people not being healed is I think sometimes they just don't want to be healed. I don't think we often take time to think about someone who is in a different physical condition than us, that they just might be okay with how they were created. We look at someone who seems to be worse off than us because maybe they're in a wheelchair or they can't hear or there's just something different about them and we assume they want to be better like us. And honestly, that's kind of a horrible thing. I had never really thought much about it until I read Zach Anner's autobiography, um, If at Birth You Don't Succeed, um, which is a great title. Um, when, When he was little more than a year old, Zach was diagnosed with spastic cerebral palsy. And this is a condition that Zach refers to as the sexiest of all palsies, all right? Zach is amazing, right? He had, he had a show on Oprah. Um, he has a YouTube page with over 350,000 subscribers. Um, he wrote this book. It's one of my favorite books I've ever read. He's hilarious. Um, he's, an inspira- he's just an inspiration to tons of people and inspired probably more people than I ever will. um, And in his book, he has a chapter on faith and spirituality. And he's talking a bit about what he believes, which he does not identify as a Christian or really a believer at all. um, But he also doesn't rule out God. He's kind of in that realm right now. But what stood out to me is he talked about how many times Christians come up to him and ask if they can pray for him to be healed. And he's a super nice guy, so he always lets them pray for him. But in his book, he made a comment that no one really has asked him if he wants to be healed. Right, And he talked about the fact that it's kind of almost degrading and he's actually pretty okay with how he was created. And I think maybe sometimes we need to watch ourselves and how we're viewing other people because God designs everybody different and as they are. And yes, some will be healed and some God meant for that and some people, they didn't because God needed them to be as they are to reach the people that only they can. And we need to not kind of come out judgmental almost up front on those things, but realize maybe that's just not what they want for their lives. So how do we do this healing miracle thing, right? A couple really easy steps. First, we pray, right? We invite God's kingdom and God's will into the situation, and we ask in Jesus' name because that's how Jesus directed us. Secondly, we lay hands on them if appropriate for the situation, okay? Okay. Um, heard some stories, you just don't lay hands on people when it's not places you lay hands, okay? Um, But Jesus, Jesus laid hands on people when he prayed for people. All throughout the book of Acts, it says they laid hands on them to bring healing, and they saw healings, and also they saw the Holy Spirit empower those people. So it is biblical to lay hands on people, but ask, okay? And again, appropriate for the situation. The third thing we do is we believe. We have faith. We believe in Jesus and we believe he is going to do what he said he's going to do and that he is who he is. And really, we do all three of those things at the same time. We pray, we lay lay hands, and we believe. And then lastly, we test it out, right? Jesus said, take up your mat and walk to people. He asked, can you see now? And he was always putting it to the test, just like the guy who prayed for my shoulder said, how does it feel now? Uh, it's a little bit better. Oh, let's pray again, right? And so then you rinse, wash, repeat if necessary. Um, okay, because that, that's what we do. So we're going to put this into practice. Kayla's going to come up and she's going to play. Um, if you need a miracle or a healing in your life, like you specifically right now, um, or maybe your child who's downstairs and you want to go grab them and bring them upstairs, that's, that's fine too. Um, but we want to take time and we want to Believe that Jesus is who he is and, and that he does what he says he's going to do and that we can tug on the heartstrings of God who's a good father and he's going to come and do some miraculous things here in this place today. I believe it. All right, so if, if that's you, if you want a miracle in your life today, would you just stand and raise your hand? I want both things to happen just because people will stand up and move and we want to be able to find you. So um, if you would stand and raise your hand, then I'm going to pray and then we can move to those people to pray for them. So... God, we're just thankful for who you are. Kingdom of heaven, we ask that you would come and you would collide with the kingdom of earth here in this place right now, God. Natural laws don't don't need to exist here when the kingdom of heaven comes in and says, you know what? We can recreate things. Matter doesn't matter right now. God, come and do the things that only you can do. Jesus, do the things that only you can do. Restore, heal. God, break away sorrow, break away pain. God, we believe this in the name of Jesus, that you will come and you will do the things that only you can do. Heaven come and may your will be done, God. In Jesus' name we pray. So if you can move to those people, raise your hands if you're wanting healing. And uh, we're gonna move and we're gonna lay hands on you guys because we wanna see this happen. So. If you're keep your hands up until somebody's praying for you, and if you're sitting down, that means you get to stand up and go pray for these people because we believe that all of us have access to this gift. Can I please keep your hand raised till people come lay hands on you. Ask them what they want prayer for, so we can pray specifically for the need. There's some more people over here with their hands raised so some people can go over to them. If it's something that you can test, if it's a physical pain or something, you know, take a moment and test it. See if God is is making things better or not. Then you can pray some more if need be. If anybody experienced healing or something, we'd love to hear about it. If you want to come up and talk about it, just come and talk to me. Um, Corey is dealing with a bunch of medical stuff right now. and We brought her up from Kids Ministry so we can pray with her. So if some people want to gather around Corey and pray God with her.
1: miracles come. We need your supernatural.
2: Like I was actually at camp, and so I don't know what I did, but I, maybe just my age, but my I tweaked my my left knee. I didn't even notice it until I got home, and it, it was just so weird. Like I couldn't even walk and, uh, without wincing, and uh, I had a. I went to a chiropractor, and he just like taped it up. He did, he just he did his work. Uh, this is my son. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but uh, but I when I went to see the chiropractor I, I he made me do a test where I could, where how far I could bend down. And just yesterday, I can only get this far before I was just like, nope. <laughs> but then after you guys prayed for this morning, I, I I'm going all the way down and up now. It's like, yeah. I don't know. that's so cool. Praise God. Praise, Praise God. God.
0: Anybody else have anything to share? God is good, isn't he? Praise God. God. God's healing some eyes over here. If you guys are still praying, you can pray, but I'm going to pray, just kind of dismiss service right now, but this isn't just a one and done thing. It's not like just God wants to heal today and then tomorrow it's done, right? Um, This is something that Again, these gifts are given to us so that God can be made public. And so it's not really a gift that like God obviously comes and he works here in the church. But this is something that should be happening out in the streets at your workplaces, and, you know, at school and all these different places that you go in the grocery stores. And feel free to to exercise this, to practice it, to see somebody in need and say, Hey, can I pray? I believe my God heals. And I want to pray for you if you're okay with that. You know, again, don't go into assumption that they need it, but ask if it's something that they would want. Um, So let's pray. God, we just are so thankful. God, praise you. Praise God for the miracles that you're doing right here and right now. And we're believing for more miracles to come from those who cannot test things here. God, um, I pray that you would just do those things that you can do. God, would the kingdom of heaven continually encounter our lives? Would we not just let it be near, but would we access it and let it be here, God, in every moment of our lives? God, you are so good to us, God. You are a great Father who loves to give good gifts, and we believe that. Jesus, we thank you that you are interceding for us and that you went to the Father on our behalf, God, and you're still there taking our requests before him, God. God, we pray for continued healing of those people that we prayed for, for today. And those who maybe are online praying for things right now, God, that, that they would see your kingdom come into their lives. Lord. And we believe for all of these things in the name of Jesus. We just pray that you would go with us over to the baptism, God, that we would see you move mightily there, God, as well as throughout our week this day. God, give us the faith to step up and pray for people that we see in need around us who may be come bringing needs to us, God, that we would be willing to pray for them right there. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, go be productive for Jesus and uh, let's meet at Raccoon River. Let's try and aim for noon. And uh, we'll do baptisms there then. So see you guys there.